So when I was thinking about these verses, I was thinking, what can God show us on the winning side? You know, there's some interesting concepts on it. Um, how many of you have ever boxed? Anybody ever boxed? I remember growing up, my, um, my dad found some boxing gloves in a, in a box that we were just going to throw away, and, and my sister had some friends over. My sister's three years older than me, and, and so he had this grand idea to put boxing gloves on us and let us fight in front of my sister's friends. Now, if it was fighting in front of my friends, it'd be different, but when you're fighting with your, in front of your sister's friends, who are they going to cheer for? They're not cheering for me. And I told Dad, I said, I really don't want to do it. These were old boxing gloves, so it's basically almost like regular work gloves. There was not, not much padding in it. And, and I didn't know much about boxing, but all I knew is to stay away from her. But I can tell you this, when a woman gets mad, you better run. Because I knew at the time that when she threw her gloves off, she meant it. And I remember she started hitting me, and I'd let her hit me, and I'd block a lot of them and stuff. And I didn't know much about it. And I said, Dad, I really don't want to do this. And finally, I'd had enough of her hitting me, and all of her, cheer, all of her, all of her um, friends are cheering for her. And so I did a roundhouse. I put my arm up here, and she looked at my arm up here, and I hit her with my right arm. So I was like, look at this, look at this. And she looked, and I was bam, and I hit her, and I threw her to the ground. And she got done. I, I, she was probably in ninth grade. I was in sixth grade. She got done. She just ripped off her gloves and started running at me and tackled me. When I got away from her the second time, I wasn't going to let her catch me. You know, I, I, don't, I don't want to be punched, and when she punched me, I didn't like it. I don't like to lose. You don't like to lose, but sometimes we, we, read, the, we read these verses in just a second, and I'm going to read a verse to you, and I'm telling you, it's today. We have, we have got a culture that just doesn't make any sense. And do you ever feel like you're losing? I mean, I, I listen to some of the politicians. I go, what did they just say? I want to read some verses. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and stand. And you can stretch your legs one more time. And we're going to read these verses in Psalm chapter 18. We're not going to read the whole chapter. We're going to read some later on. But I want you to see this. After he says all these things, he's been delivered. And it says this, and he said... I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compass me, compass me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. Doesn't that sound like what's going on in, in some of these little towns? ungodly men make you afraid. Well, I wouldn't be afraid. Well, I would be afraid if a mob came at me. I don't know if you've seen some of the things they're doing. I saw an, an interview of a, a lady that actually backed their, their, what they were standing for, and they told her to put her arm up and salute them, and she wouldn't do it, and they got in her face. They started yelling at her and cursing her. They're ungodly with what they're doing. They're not thinking straight. In verse number 5, it says this. It says, The sorrows of hell compass me about. The snares of death prevented me. Now watch this. In my distress, you know, in your life, God's going to put you in a situation to make you what you need to be. It says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. And thank God for this last part because he's just telling what he did. But look at the next part. He says how God responded. He heard my voice out of his temple and my cry came before him even into his ears. Isn't it great to know that you've got God listening to what you're saying? And God wants to listen to us. Let's go ahead and pray. Russ, could you pray for us?
Amen. You may be seated. Do you feel like some of these pictures up here? I like the one on the left. How to think like a winner. Problem is, is he's not really fought anything at, at that age. And, and then you got the trophy. And then it says this, today's forecast, 100% chance of winning. You know in God we have that, 100% chance of winning. I'll never forget when I, when I put my, took my girls and they started playing softball and this was the era where no one kept score. I kept score. I wanted to know who won. We didn't just go out there to get them dirty and have them hit a ball and then say, okay, everybody gets a participation award. You know, we've made some people soft. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't live in my dad's era. When he played basketball, he had people called, how many of you, some of you would know this if you're in his age group, they had men called hatchet men when they played basketball. And he grew up in the, in the Hoosier time. What a hatchet man was, was he wasn't a good basketball player, but he'd foul you like crazy when you got in there. If you started hitting a lot of shots, his goal was to hurt you. And my dad said there was a couple times he was running for his life on the basketball court so the guy couldn't catch him. And he'd make a layup and the guy would foul him after he made the layup. You know, and they weren't going for, for the ball they were trying to hurt. I'm glad I didn't live in that era, but, you know, I was listening to what Herschel Walker said. He said, when, when I played football, I ran over people and they didn't like it, but that was my job. You know, I, I look at this and I think sometimes we're scared to say we want to win. When I, when I was thinking about this, as a Christian, what do you do about winning? Because, you know, we've got, a, we've got a, a God that lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit indwells us. He wants us to feel like we're winners. He, he, he wants to teach us along the way. But, you know, I was thinking about this. You know, there's a lot of Christians that take this and they change two, word, two letters from that. And just changing two letters of, Today's forecast, 100% chance of winning. You just change two letters, guess what it turns into? 100% chance of whining. You ever met somebody like that? Well, I'm a Christian, but everything's terrible. You know, we don't choose what God chooses for us. His ways are not our ways. I would never have chose this, this path. I, I understand there's, there's a... Um, a guy I went to school with and he's got a book and it's actually, I, I, I skimmed through it the other day and it's, it's called Plan B because he had a plan for his life and guess what, it wasn't that plan that ended up taking it, he ended up having cancer he had to go with Plan B. You know, if you were to study David's life, do you think he would have wanted to go through what he wanted, what he went through? Now let's just go back. Remember when the prophet came to him and anointed him king. He probably thought, everything's going to be great from this day forward. That was so far from the truth. Because God had to make him the king he needed to be, so he had to put him through the test. And we know people in biblical times that went through a test, that's how we know them. And you've seen me do this. If I were to say Jonah, what would you say? That was a test. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel and the David and Bathsheba. What would that be? Would that be a test? Absolutely it would be. They were known for their test. They, they get, they've got to get through this. And we could sit there and whine. And I, I think of David as, as he went through all this, and I can't imagine how he felt when finally the day was over that Saul was not chasing him. Can you imagine 
the aspect in his life how everything now has changed. So let's keep that to, to winning. And how, we, how we're going to do winning is David starts talking in here. There's, there's a couple things we need to do. If we want to be a winner when it comes to Christ, the first thing we must do is we must love some things. We need to must love the right things. You know, if, if I am going to be healthy, I should love exercise, right? If I am going to love being healthy, I should love the food I eat. Have you ever noticed when you go on a diet, it's always food that doesn't taste the greatest. And I, I don't know, how many of you have restrictions on salt intake? Anybody in here? Have you ever, has anybody ever eaten mashed potatoes without salt? They're not that great. It's like ground up grits that have no flavor to them. You know, you've got to change some things if you're going to win. You've got to love the right things. Look at the next one. We've got to talk to the right thing. We've got to talk, talk the right way. And the third one is this. We've got to trust what's, what we need to trust. Here David has gone through this whole thing and he starts doing this and then he's going to show you what he had to do. And so I want you to look at this. I want you to go back to Psalms 18 and see some of these things that you're going to, you're going to see. If I were to ask you this, what do you need to be a winner? And those three words are what you need and we're going to break them down and we're going to look and see what, what David does. The first one is you need to have some love in your life. You are going to be a whiner if you don't love something. You're going to whine about things. Woe is me. And I've went through that, and I'm not saying there's not a time when you have to go through that. There's times when you have to go through it. There's times when you have to say, you, you, you feel like you've been kicked in the gut about something, and you have to just battle through it, and it'll come back. It will come back. And that Spirit will come back. That's why the Holy Spirit, why you have to have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, because if you're doing it yourself, Yourself is only going to take you so far. You know what I'm not looking forward to? I'm not looking forward to laying down on a gurney in that God-forsaken outfit that they're going to make me wear. And then I can't think, and I know, Bernard, you've got one, and I know you've got one. I just can't imagine looking in a mirror. This is my biggest fear, looking in a mirror and seeing a square thing underneath me. It's like the mark of the beast, amen? I just, that just does not appeal to me. And I know it's there to help me. I don't like going through surgery. Anybody here say, you know, I bring it on. I love surgeries. Someone asked me, I was talking to Priscilla, I think, Priscilla and Mrs. Moody, and, and, I, and I said, I just don't like the fact that someone's going to be messing with my heart. And, and, and I don't know him. I'd like to get a resume on him to see what he's done. I did ask him if this was his first surgery, and he started laughing. But I wanted to know that. I want to know how long, how many times have you done this? Because I don't want to just sit there. And you know, your heart is a, is, is a you kind of need it. If you don't have it, you don't survive. And here you're sitting here going, what, what did God plan in your life? Well, in, in this, David did not plan Saul. In fact, when he met Saul, he liked Saul. What did he do for Saul? He soothed his soul on certain things. He's also the man that threw the javelin at him. And he went through all these things. And, and, and I wish if I could get you to read one book. My favorite book ever written is A Tale of Three Kings. Anybody read that? Raise your hand if you've read that. I would suggest you read that because he brings out some interesting points. 
And the book is all written about three kings, and it talks mainly about David and Saul. He makes this point when he writes this book. He says, at any time, David could have been a Saul. But when it got to the very end of Saul's life, Saul could have never been a David. That's an interesting point when you study it out. And it's an easy read. I want to talk to you about love. What we need is love. And so I want to point out these verses. It says in Psalm 18, 1 and 2, it says, I will love thee, O Lord, my, my strength. It says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. It says, and my deliverer, my God my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler. This is a big list here. And the horn of my salvation and my high tower. And so he lists all these things and he talks about how much he loves the Lord. And so I want to break these down and I want to look at all these things that he's talking about in verse number two. But I want to go back to the first verse. It says this, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. I think David, in fact, David's going to list the word strength. You'll see it, he does it twice. He says my strength in verse number two. He says my strength in verse number one. And when he says the verse, verse number one, I think this is his main emphasis. He says, listen, I can't handle this on my own. How many of you had a friend in high school? Raise your hand. Everybody had a friend. Was, were they a good friend or a bad friend? Were they somebody you'd say, okay, hey, I want to go spend some time with. I want to do this. Everybody has friends like that. But when you get out of high school, when you're in high school, what happens is you have to have the right friends because those friends will influence you. When David was going through this rough spot, who were his friends? I think God was teaching him along the way, even in the caves when he was with the thieves and the robbers and the murderers, that he was still in control. Sometimes we don't realize that, that God was his strength. I mean, David had some guys that would, if he said, go kill Saul, they would have done it. But he was constantly having to control these guys. And you would say those were good friends because they would do anything for you, but David had to be the spiritual leader to them and say, listen, don't do this. I don't want you to do that. As you look at this, let's look at this list really quick to love. There's some things you've got to love. Number one, you've got to love him because he's your rock. What does that mean? The rock means he's your stability. He's your sure thing. When you have nothing else, you have him. You have his strength. You have that he's, he's holding, can, we're looking at this, um, what is the name of the hurricane? Laura. It's about ready to hit. And when it hits, if they don't have a sure foundation, these buildings will not make it. And so we've got to understand that God is our rock. Look what it says in this second verse. It says, the Lord is my rock. It's his sure thing. It's his stability. The next one says, he is my fortress. And I like this. This is the protection. This is what you run to. Um, get in and trust it. That's what God is. He's just, he's, and you've got to understand why he's saying this because there were many times in his life that he had to run to God and God was the only thing that he could run to. When he ran at Goliath, he wasn't trusting in his own strength. He was trusting in God's strength. He was trusting in God being his rock, in God being his fortress. And then I like this. What's the next one say? He is the deliverer. <laughs> Aren't you thankful when things are delivered? You ever ordered something from Amazon and not got it? You ever ordered a pizza and got the wrong pizza? Here's something about when you order pizza. 
And I'm sitting in there, and, and a doorbell should not make me salivate, but it makes me salivate because I know what's behind that door. And so the pizza comes, and I open up the pizza box, and I'm getting hungry thinking about it. I had tangerines for supper, amen? Trying to eat, help, trying to lose a little weight before I go in there, but I'm thinking of pizza right now. I, if the door, if door opened up and the Domino's guy said, here's three tangerines, I said, I want those. You know, we look at this and we see that when it comes to the deliverer, he's there at just the right time. It's not our time, it's his time. You know, we, we look at things and we try to adjust things, we try to figure out things, and, God, and David is saying, listen, he, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. And, and I was thinking about this too. You know, when he's going through all these things and he's chasing Saul, and Saul's chasing him and he's doing all these different things and, and a numerous times Saul could have tried to kill him, didn't kill him, God was making him who he needed to be. And he was also showing him what? That God was his deliverer. There's something about God being the deliverer and me not, me not stepping in. There's times in our life Remember when your child did something, you go, I don't know if they should do that, and you let them do it anyway, and, get, and, and I'm not saying abuse them, but I remember my, my daughters riding bikes, they scared me to death. They get the wobbles, you know, and, they're like, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and finally they fall off. You want to go out there and help them, but you know what? You can't always help them. I remember one particular time, Ann and I were watching the girls, and I never understood this. We had a playground, one of our churches, and it had a six-foot fence, sort of like what that's in there. But to a child, a six-foot fence, is, it could have been 20 feet. It didn't matter. I remember sitting at the window, and Ann and I were watching, and they, were, they started climbing the fence, which didn't make sense because four feet away from them was the gate, and it was open. They could have went in. But bless God, they're going to climb over that fence. And they, were, they had to be second and maybe first grade and fourth grade or whatever. And, and Megan's convincing Meredith to do it. And Meredith, I don't want to do it. I, you're going to do it. And... And I'm thinking, just go through the gate. And I remember Ann wanting to go out there and say, I don't think we should let them climb it. And I said, no, they're going to learn that they shouldn't climb it. And so we watched them, and it was grass on both sides, so, and we didn't have any padding on the outside if they fell over. But where it was scary is when they crossed the top. They flipped their leg over, and then they've got to go a different direction. And I, and I remember grabbing, Ann wanted to go out there and just get them down off. And I, I was like, we told them not to do this. We told them to go through the gate. This is something they're going to learn. And I, I remember Meredith, Meredith is, Meredith is my more athletic one, but she didn't want to go over. And I remember finally her flipping her leg over and, and then going down it. But as I looked at it, I thought, oh man, this could be very bad. Um, as I look at it and I see that they got all the way down, and then we went out and talked to them. Well, we had to climb the fence. You had to climb the fence? And, and they come up with some of the biggest excuses for not listening. But they have to learn sometimes, and we have to learn. David had to learn. David had to learn from a young age. He had his brothers against him. He had Saul against him. He had a Goliath against him. He had a lion. He had a bear. I mean, you think about all the things that David went through, and yet he said through the whole thing, his God was a deliverer. I think he probably reflected on the Goliath story, how God directed that stone. And he killed that. He killed the giant. So the next one, then he just basically tells him what he, what he really is. He says, he's my God. You say, well, why is that so significant? Because a lot of people had different gods. His God was God Jehovah. His God was the one that meant something to him. Read the verses. Verse number two, it says this. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God 
He's my God. And so as, as, as you look at this, he's thinking, hey, he's the creator. He's the one that's in charge. I'm going to let him be in charge. I'm going to let him do this. And then it says this, he is my strength. When I think about the strength, it's just let God, what gets us through? God gets us through. God gets us through. I have 15 days to think about this. How many of you like to think about things? Anybody in here? Okay, and I will tell you something. There's something called the internet. It can be good and it can be bad. I read some articles and I thought, oh my word, a lot of people don't survive from this surgery. Then I read, they, I was reading an article when they were 85 when they had this. And if you're 85 in here, I'm not trying to run you down, but I'm thinking, I'm a, hopefully I'm a little bit different than an 85-year-old. We can read things and read things. We understand God is the strength of, of this whole thing. He's a strength in your life. And if, if you don't do it the right way, guess what? With the love of loving the Lord and you go a different direction, He's not going to be the strength that you need Him to be. Because you know what we do if we don't have God as the one that we love the most? What happens? What happens when you love yourself more? Don't you rely on yourself? Absolutely you do. You need to love the Lord and understand He's your strength. The next one says this, He's my buckler. And we'll get into that in just a second. But buckler is a word that holds us together. He's our protector. Then the, the, the last one He uses is He says the word horn. He talks about the horn, something that is used to shield and, and, and voice. And the last one says this, it says the high tower. And I like the high tower. Tower. If you've ever been anywhere where you want to know where protection is, if you're sitting in a high tower, you can see everything around you. And I like how it says that God is our high tower. That means He's sitting up where He's at and He sees every direction around you and He understands what you need and what you don't need. So often, sometimes, as as I look at this, I, I think He watches over us. Just like we were in the window watching our children god is watching us all the time and sometimes we please him and sometimes we don't if you if you got a chance to if you weren't here on monday to hear about god's forgiveness i would suggest you get that cd and you listen to it because we're either going to believe god forgives us or we're not going to believe god forgives us but i can tell you this when it when it comes to these look at these words david says he loves the lord and here's what he gives. He gives a list. He's, he's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. He's my God. And as you wor- work your way through these verses, he's my strength, my buckler, my horn, my high tower. You almost get the feeling that God was everything to David. But then he changes his aspect of it. He says, listen, you need to love some things, but you know what you need to do? You need to talk. Talk to him. Go to Psalms 18 and verse number 3. It says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Now, you're either going to believe that or not. How many of you believe that he's worthy to be praised? We'll get into that in just a second, okay? Um, But it says in verse number um, 3, continue, it says, So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about, and snares of death prevented me. It says, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried to my God. He heard my voice out of his temple. And my cry came before him even into his ears. You know, it's interesting. When you read the first two verses, you, you see David being on a high point in his life. He's talking about God's his fortress, God's his high tower. He goes through all these things. But then he tells you the story of what happened. He's telling you the story in verses 3 through 6. 
But it starts out as a positive note. What's the first word he says? He says the word praised. The first word that David says is praise. Look at, look at verse number 3. I will call upon the Lord. What does that mean when you call upon the Lord? You're talking to Him. Have you ever been in a point where you just don't know how to handle anything? I, I, I remember growing up, and we, my, dad, my dad and mom would always make us take care of all of our neighbors. Especially if they were elderly, we'd have to take care of them. We'd, we, my dad had a, too big of a garden. I, I used to know that because I used to water all the tomato plants. We'd, we'd give tomatoes to everybody in the county, it seemed like. And he would make me go check on people. And, and my dad had this ingenious idea that Mr. Gobble lived right behind us, and I mowed his yard, and I took care of everything. I'd go over there and clean their house. And I remember one time he told me, he said, I want you to go pick him up from the hospital. And I was like, okay, I can do that. He goes, it's in Chicago. I was 17 at the time. Chicago was three hours away from Terre Haute. I don't know many parents that would do that. And I remember me getting him, and he had just had heart surgery. He had had a, he had had a heart attack, and he was up in, up in there. And this is, and some of you younger people don't realize this, but we didn't have a GPS. We had something called, it's very, very, very difficult, it's called a map. And the maps, you'd have to find one map and then go to another map. Like you'd look at a map and it'd say, turn to, if you wanted to go north or, or go east or west, it'd say, when we were in Indiana, it said, go, you need to go west to Illinois, and it would say what map I need to go to. So I had to flip over the map, not while I was driving. Okay, I, I pulled over. No, I didn't do that, but I was, I was looking at him. And, and then I picked him up. I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing fine. And we got on the loop in Chicago. And my car was a very reliable car, but when it got up there, Satan got a hold of it. And it shut down on the loop in Chicago in the summer, me picking up our neighbor from a heart attack that he was in Chicago. I'm three hours out. We did not have cell phones. And I don't know if you even know what the loop is. The loop is an elevated highway where all these highways come in and hit it, and you go in a circle. I heard words that I should have not heard. I had more horns honked at me than I've ever had honked in my life. And meanwhile, I'm trying to comfort Brother Gobble in the back and said, Mr. Gobble, it's going to be okay. And, I, and the whole time I'm going, I have no idea what to do. And finally, praise the Lord, a, t a tow truck pulled up and said, do you need some help? And I said, absolutely, I need help. And he goes, well, it costs so much money. And I was like, I don't have that much money. And Brother Gobble, thank God for Brother Gobble. He pulls out what then, I, we didn't even know what it was. It was a credit card. And he used a credit card. It was like, I need one of those. And, you know, I look back and I think, God helped me get through that in a very weird situation, a 17-year-old boy, that I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. But I can sure tell you this, I need to praise Him for what He's done. Aren't you thankful for what God's done in your life? Now, I say that, but let's look at what David says. Remember, he's talked about how everything, God was his rock, his, his refuge, his, and it goes through this his strength. He's his God, his high tower, a horn. He goes all the way through this. Then he says he needs to praise him. But watch what he does. Watch the words that he uses. He starts using negative terms again. Look at the first one. He talks about verse number three. You need to praise God because you have enemies. What? Look what it says. Look at some of these negative terms that are found in verse number 3. 
It says in verse number 18, chapter 18, verse thir thir uh, 3, it says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. How many of you believe he's worthy to be praised? I do. If I were to say, and you know, it's, it's so funny when I say, we're going to have praises tonight. Does anybody have something to be thankful for? Bernard, you'd be shocked how many people go. And, and, and Brandon's not here if he's listening. He tells me that if, when I pray, when I call on people to pray, if I make eye contact with you, I'll call on you. I don't think I do that. So it's funny, when Brandon's here, he'll, he'll look. You know, Brandon, if you're listening, text me later. Amen. But as, as we look at this, I think, oh, my word. As, as we, God wants us to get this. He wants us to praise Him. In all actuality, our lives are in God's hands. Our situations are in His hands. When I, when I go where I'm going, guess what? There's a nurse that might need me. I think I need them, but you know what? They might need my testimony. If I'm sitting there going, bless God, I'm scared. I, I'll be scared to death. I'd rather ride a roller coaster. And that's one of the things, Bernard, do they let you ride roller coasters when you have a pacemaker? I don't think they do. I love riding roller coasters. <laughs> okay, I know somebody that would. Mrs. Moody, you would ride roller coasters, wouldn't you? Okay. I, I, how many of you like riding roller coasters? You know, it's funny as I like riding roller coasters, but I'm scared to death of heights. You know what I think? If I can just get past this first hill, everything's going to be okay. God knows what he's doing. And the Bible says in verse number three, it says this, it says, so shall I, I be saved from mine enemies. He's already went through this battle. And you say, well, what's, everybody's enemies are different. It might be something that you have, you have come up with that's your enemy. It might be a habit. It might be a person. It might be all these things. But guess what? You can praise him and you can get through it because you'll be saved from your enemies. That's why you praise him. Keep going. The next one is death. Verse number four, the sorrows of death. Me. He knew what it was like to almost die numerous times, David did. Go to the next one. The next one says floods. Verse number four, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. It, there was a flood of them. That means there's a lot of ungodly men that were going after him. I wonder what was worse for David. The question to ask when you get to heaven, was it worse to, for Saul to chase you or was it worse to know that Absalom was going after you? say the latter the one with that with Saul took a lot more time in his life but I think the thing that Absalom did just hurt his heart and so we've got to see that God's saying listen there's going to be people that are going to be around you but you still need to praise him go to verse number five now, verse number four it says this it says the sorrows of death compassed me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid there's nothing wrong to be afraid if you have the right strength and the strength is not in you. The strength is in your God. Go on, on this, it says, And the sorrows of, of hell compass me about, and the snares. How many of you like snares? Anybody in here ever picked blackberries? Don't you just love blackberries? Blackberries are great, but guess what they have? They have something called little thorns on them. I did not know this at the time. I figured it out the first time I mowed around a locust tree. Anybody ever mowed around a locust tree? No, I didn't even look at it. It was a dead old tree. I thought, my word, there's nothing wrong with a locust tree. And I was mowing, and I was mowing really fast, and I hit a branch of a locust tree. Now, I don't know if you know anything about a locust tree. They, they, the wood is very hard. 
You try to cut it with a chainsaw, good luck on that one. And, I, and this thing, I brushed up against one while I was mowing on the mower, and the thorns grabbed me and pulled me off the mower while the mower was going the other direction. I had cuts in my left arm from it. I thought, where did that come? Why did it do it? And I looked at the locust thing, and there was these thorns sticking out. And they were long thorns. Ripped my shirt, and I thought, what in the world's going on? You know what? I don't like snares. But my, my Bible says that David praised him through the snares. And then he says that he, we needed to talk to him. And, and so here, here he says, I will praise thee, I will talk to him. And it, as you look at the snares, you've got to understand it catches you or tries to. And then in verse number 6, it talks about distress. It says, in my distress, and there's some words in here I want you to look at, in my distress I called upon the Lord. So you have him as your strength, and he's, ta- he's reverting back to the story. He says, in my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. And he says it twice. He says, he heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. Aren't you thankful that you can talk to him and he'll listen as I was looking at this, these verses, you know, enemies, death, floods, afraid, afraid compass me about snares. And it says all of a sudden, if you talk to him, guess what? In your distress, he'll help you. He'll hear you. You ever been somewhere and you got lost and you just wanted someone to find you? I've been there. And, 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 and even in a, in a Christian walk, we sit there and go, what, what's going to happen next? I don't know how it's going to work. But then comes the third word, and the word's trust. You've got to trust in Him. You've got to trust in Him when you don't know what's right around the corner. And as, as you trust in Him, do you believe this first statement? As for God, His way is perfect. How many of you believe that? Huh? We, and we can say, Bernard, we can sit there and go, yes, we believe His way is perfect, but His way is not your way. See, I found out why I have this heart condition. I thought, maybe it's my lack of exercise. (laughs) Well, maybe it's my diet. Maybe it's just the wife God gave me. I don't know. The doctor finally told me, he said, you you had a viral infection. And so, what do you do when you have a viral infection? You want to ask where you got it, especially with the coronavirus around. I don't have a, I have not had the coronavirus, thank God for that. Then the doctor threw me for a loop. You know what he told me? He said, you could have had it for 10 years and it just sit there. Then all of a sudden it just decided to attack you. I was like, well, at least it wasn't something I ate at Cracker Barrel because I love Cracker Barrel. You know, you sit there and go, where is this coming from? You don't know where it's coming from. It's a viral infection. So I'm either going to believe this or I'm not. As for God, his way is perfect. So guess what? Whatever God puts you through, it's going to be okay. Because with me and God, we're a majority. Me by myself, I'm not. I can't handle this by myself. And I joke about it because you know why? That's how God made me. But if I didn't joke about it, it would destroy me. And so his way is perfect. Look at the next verse. It says, and the word of the Lord is tried. What does that mean? God has went through, every, God knows everything you're going through. And it says Jesus was what? Tempted just like everybody else in here. And he went through it. He's, it's been tried. The word of the Lord has been tried. And don't kid yourself. If anybody saw some mistake in the Bible, it would come out. It would come out. And do you realize how many times the Bible is cross-related? First and second Samuel, first and second Chronicles. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You say, well, some of those stories aren't, aren't the same. They are if you read them. And they just, a different perspective of what people see. It says, the word of the Lord is tried. Now look at the next one. He is the buckler to all. Now, 
I don't think we have anybody that's considered a personal big redneck in here, but I always think of a buckler as a big buckle on there. But, you know, it's, that's not what it means. The word, the word buckler on this means this, the shield. Aren't you thankful for the shield? Devil never fights fair, does he? You know what story I always think of when I don't think the devil fights fair? Is the story of David, David and Goliath. You know why? Here's a man with a slingshot, a giant that they estimate weighing 600 pounds, almost probably 10 feet tall. The head of his spear weighed 35 pounds. Just to put that in perspective, you realize he can poke a big hole in your 35-pound spear on the head of it. But when he fought David, a man, a little boy, a young boy with a, with a slingshot, he even had a shield bearer. And David and, and Goliath was trusting in that shield bearer to, 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 to drop this, to break the rock from hitting him. But through God's divine intervention, he couldn't block it. And it killed Goliath. And we truly understand what a shield is at that point. Aren't you thankful, God, your shield? It says, he is a buckler. And what's the last word in this line? To what? Okay, I'm going to wake you up. I'm going to wait till everybody says it. He is the buckler to... Oh, I heard this side. I didn't hear this side. All right. He is the buckler to... I'm watching your lips, Riley. All right. He is the buckler to... All. What does that mean? It's everybody. Go to the next part. It says this. Those that trust in Him. We've got to trust in Him. Sometimes we don't trust in Him. Sometimes we try to get it ourselves. But He is the one that we need the most. And so I want to wrap this up for you. What do you need to be a winner? The first thing, you need God. You're not going to be a winner if you don't have God on your side. Make sure you understand what you believe and make sure you understand that God is in control. Do you believe it? Uh Yeah, sort of. When I have to, I'm telling you like right now, we live in a, in a country that doesn't believe in God. Did you hear the pledge at the one place? They took under God out of it. Some of you might not have known that. I'm telling you right now, we need God in our life. What are the three things you need to do with God? You need to love in God. Have your love towards Him. You know, His ways are not our ways. Definitely. And secondly, you need to talk to God. Isn't it great to be able to talk to Him? I've got a relative that every time I call this person, I don't think their phone ever charges over 5%. I've got to talk real quick. My phone's at 2%. I'm telling you, I hear it every time I talk to this individual. And I'll be in a mid-sentence and all of a sudden click. And, I, and sometimes I don't hear it and I'm just talking. And I look down and I think, there's no one on that line. You know what? When I want to talk to somebody, I want them to answer. There's been times when I've tried to talk to four different people that I wanted to get their, I wanted to get their advice and none of them answer the phone. And I'll say, this, this person's not going to answer goes to voicemail. Voicemail. There's something about knowing that at any given time, I can talk to God and He listens to me. And what I say, and you know, God and I have had some serious conversations. And there's nothing nothing wrong 
was saying, I'm praying that this changes. But if God decides not to change it and I'm talking to Him and, I'm, and, I, and I lo- my love is for Him, then I'll accept what He has for me. Isn't it funny how sometimes we blow things up and we try to figure out in our own mind and we don't talk to God? I'll never forget the day that the doctor told me I had plantar fasciitis. I was getting where I couldn't walk in the morning, and I thought, this is never going to work out. What's going to happen? I'm, I'm 30, 39 to 40. I forget how old I was. I was not that old, and I thought, how in the world am I going to do this where I can't walk? I didn't know what I had. If you have plantar fasciitis, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Anybody has plantar fasciitis in here? All right. You know what I'm talking about. You wake up in the morning, it's like, Ugh, and you gotta, you're grabbing. I was grabbing all the, the dressers to get to the restroom to try to get my feet working, and, and I thought, am I going to have to do this my whole life? The doctor explained to me what it was. And through a simple procedures with, with insoles, in my, insoles in my shoes and some other things, I can walk around now. But I thought to myself, how am I going to do this the rest of my life? I'm going to live to be 110 and I'm not going to be able to walk for 75 years. But all it took was for one doctor to walk up and say, this is what you need to do. And when, I, when, he, when he showed me what to do, it worked. I tried everything. I tried the rocker shoes. Have you ever seen those rocker shoes? Um, I had these things put on the bottom of my shoes. Remember those, Ann? The day I took those off was when I came home and I was wearing them at, at church and someone looked at me, and some of you will not understand this, said, you know who you look like? And I was thinking, Cary Grant? And they said, no, you look like Herman Munster. And I was like, I know who that is, and I'm taking these stupid shoes off. Just a matter of time and talking to God, He can change a lot of things. And the last one is this. We need to trust Him. David writes this, and you think about what he's went through. He's went through a lot. You know, there's, there's a lot of people in the Bible that go through, Moses went through a lot, but David went through a lot also. And all, he wants, all David's saying is, listen, I've went through this. I can tell you, you need to love God. He deserves to be praised. You not only need to love God, you, the second thing you need to do is you need to talk to Him. And He's not always going to answer your questions. He's not always, I, I would encourage you to read this, this chapter, because I didn't read a lot of verses. We're going to look at a little bit more next week. But it's amazing to me how God shows you what you need to do. And the last one is we need to trust in God. Let's end it with a verse and then really pray about what these verses mean. When I always think of trusting in God, I think of what David's son wrote in in Proverbs chapter 3. Finish the verses with me. It says this, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. That was the worst um, I've ever seen you do of repeating what I said. Okay, let's try to say it together, okay? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. You know, I like the, the word I like the most in that, that thing, Bernard, is the word shall. He'll direct your path. He shall direct thy path. He, he will take care of it. It's not might, could, would, it shall. So we need to trust in him. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your word that never returns void unto us. Lord, may we put it in our, put our life and think of what David went through with Saul. I just can't comprehend and then to know that his friend was Jonathan. 
I mean, there's just so many aspects of the story. And thank you for letting David get through and then writing about it and showing us how we can get through it. There's some people in this room that are hurting right now. People not understanding what the, what the future holds. Lord, may we see that we need to love you. We need to talk to you. We need to trust in you. David doesn't write this on the back of a chair, not going through anything. He writes this through one of the main problems in his life. Saul is no longer chasing him. And he does a retrospect of what's going on and how he got through this, and he, he looks at these three aspects. Lord, I love you, and I want you to know that. Lord, I want to talk to you. Sometimes I don't understand what's going on, but I want to talk to you. And thirdly, I'm going to trust in you. For you are the God in the mountains, and you are the God in the valleys. Thank you for loving us, despite all our shortcomings and failures. May we truly just trust in you with our whole heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll have Bernard come up. You need to get your bulletins out.